It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is CEO Daryl Lyons. Daryl is the co-founder of Pax Financial Group, which was recognized as one of the fastest growing companies in the United States by Inc.com or Inc. 5000. He is the author of Small Business Big Pressure, The Grand Money Chasm in 18 to 80, and he's a contributor to Forbes.com, the San Antonio Business Journal, and Living Well. He's on the Advisory Council for Ramsey Solutions, the National Federation of Independent Business Owners in Texas. Daryl Lyons, welcome into the corner office. I'm appreciative of uh, being on here. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you here, and it's great to have another fellow C12 member. Uh, we talked a little bit about that before the podcast, and I'm sure we'll find a way to weave in uh, what C12 is all about over the course of uh, our, our, our discussion and, and our conversation today. But, you know, we like to start with the early years, and maybe you can tell me a little bit about what those were like for you. Where'd you grow up, and, you know, what was your early family life like? Yeah, sure. I, um, I'm a South Texas guy, so... Um, I'm currently living in San Antonio and grew up in the South Texas area. I uh, lived in um, lived in Harlingen for a little while, which is about 30 minutes from the border. And then um, my parents moved up to Castroville, a small uh, cornfield town uh, right outside of San Antonio. And uh, I thought I was going to play uh, football in uh, college, but it didn't work out and uh, ended up going to a university, a local university called St. Mary's University and, and ended up, instead of focusing on football, I actually focused on finance right out the chute. All right. Well, I can see where that career has led you or that early decisions led you. What about brothers and sisters? Uh, growing up, were you an only child, younger brothers or older brothers and sisters? I'm the oldest of three. So I have a younger brother who's an entrepreneur and a younger sister who's also an entrepreneur. And, you know, what kind of influences did they have on you? Or were you kind of more of the mentor, um, you know, doing the babysitting and, and helping bringing them up as you're along with your parents? You know, it's uh, as a parent now, that's a that's a, not a sensitive spot, one that I've recovered from. But I wish <laughs> I'd have been more of a parent and because we had a rough childhood and it was a lot of ups and downs financially and parents and divorce and everything. It was not tough. And, and for me as an older sibling, I was just trying to survive. And in retrospect, I wish I would have played the role of mentoring and guiding, but I was just a kid just trying to survive like anyone else. Yeah, sure. So uh, did your parents get divorced quite young? They did. You know, they got married when my mom was 16, my dad was 20. So they were just figuring out life and when they had me and uh, they had to deal with a lot. And uh, it was a tough situation. My, my, my grandfather was a World War II veteran from Iwo Jima, and he had PTSD before they knew PTSD. So 
there's a lot of challenges in my life growing up, and um, we had a lot to overcome, and, and including uh, including you know financial setbacks, very difficult times, and so you know that's that's part of who made who I am today. You know, funny thing is, my parents are together today, despite having been divorced a couple of times, but they're they're sweet, sweet people. Well, it sounds like you probably had some outside influences in your life. It sounds like you played some sports as well. Tell me about some of those relationships. Was there anyone in particular that, you know, had a, an early influence on, you know, kind of your direction and, and, you know, finding your true north? Yeah, I think there's a couple people. It's it's so encouraging to have somebody that encourages you, right? And pours in courage. And, and I did have a coach that believed in me and uh, he would yell at me like no one's business. He'd foam <laughs> at the mouth when he was screaming at me on the football field, but he believed in me and that I had talent. I'll never forget him. And then in college, I had a a lady that pulled me aside. She's a professor, Dr. Purcellin. And she said, you know, you're really good at this accounting stuff. Can you tutor other people? And so you just, I just had a couple people that, you know, you just meditate and think about those, those words of encouragement and you never let it go. You know, I know that the C12, as we're both members, is a is a group of men, you know, with uh, the Christian faith and, and, and bringing that into the marketplace. Was that something that you had growing up or did you find your spiritual path later in life? Yeah. So my my mom's a praying mom, a good mom. Um, I, I went to church when I was a kid. Sometimes my motive was girls, not church, but I still <laughs> went to church. And uh and then I've, man, I've, I've been, um, re- relentlessly, uh, pursuing God and, um, and responding to his pursuit of me since I was a kid. It's been, I've been very hungry for it and C12 just really elevated that and helped me integrate that passion I have into the workplace. And so that made me feel more authentic when I didn't have to be two separate people, a person at home and a person at work were two different Christians. Now I'm the same person at both places. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's a similar story I have as well. Back to your school days. Were you a good student at school, Daryl? Yeah, I was above average. Um, I was compliant, right? I'd always get things done. Um, I got decent grades. I mean, it was, you know, B's and maybe an A every now and again, but it was just me. I was mainly compliant, pretty much a good hard worker. Um, and I, 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 I just like football. I just wanted to play yeah. football. <laughs> right. When I went what, to college, how old college, were you when you first got involved in football? Was that like junior high school years or younger? Yeah. I remember my, the, you know, this is going to age me, but, um, and, and it's all relative, but my first, the first time I watched football was, uh, the bears versus the Patriots in the Super Bowl, And that was 85. So I guess I was nine. And since then I loved the game and just thought I was going to play for the Cowboys. And I never had the talent, so don't misunderstand. But in my head, I thought I was going to. And by the grace of God, I didn't play football because finance has proven to be a great career. Any other outside activities other than football, you know, music, theater, public speaking, anything else you got involved with early on? Oh, when I was growing up, you know, I, uh, I spent a lot of time um, out on the basketball court, played a lot of, I didn't play basketball. I ran track, but, uh, uh I love playing basketball and I just played pickup games pretty much every day that I could. And I enjoyed drawing. I was love drawing. And I, I, uh, I enjoyed, believe it or not. And that's, I, I mean, now I've authored three books, but, but I actually liked writing. I enjoyed, I enjoyed poem, poetry. I enjoyed reading and writing stories. It's just something I enjoy doing. Yeah. What about entrepreneurial things? Uh, did you have the ubiquitous paper route or, you know, sell Christmas cards, uh, that type of thing when you're growing up for extra spending money? Yeah, my neighbor, he uh, he had a baseball card gig. And so he'd go to the card shows and he'd uh, have me work the work the 
a card booth and I'd negotiate with people and sell cards and then he'd pay me in in cards and <laughs> oh, I didn't get right, paid money. Right. I, I got paid in <laughs> sports cards. So I'd work a whole day. My mom, my mom was so mad at the guy cause she thought he, he was ripping me off and I was so excited to get, you know, sports <laughs> you cards. At your collection. That's cool. What about some early jobs uh, during high school and college? Did you work part-time have to pay, pay your way through school? In in high school, one of my worst jobs ever was at three o'clock in the morning. I'd have to go into the into Waterburger or, or or McDonald's and take the high pressure spray and c- clean out the grease from the hoods, and then high uh, then then vacuum with it uh, the whole thing up and then dump it. It was the worst job in the world. <laughs> and, and then in college, um, uh, from from a, for every day, six days a week for for all the time I was in college, I worked at a bank and I was a a bank teller the whole time and I uh, learned so much about banking and really loved the job. And I worked at, a, I actually worked on a side of town that most people spoke Spanish. In fact, in this particular area, it's one of the highest teenage pregnancy rates in the entire country, a uh, very uh, low income, beautiful community with beautiful families. We did get robbed more, on more than one occasion. Uh, but I just was, man, I love that community love the people and love banking. I thought it was going to be the bank of the rest of my life. And then, uh, and it changed when a nation's bank and bank of America merged and all of the relationships of people I looked up to got laid off. And I just thought, ah, maybe I'm going to do something else. So, uh, I changed directions. So, um, you went to St. Mary's and, uh, did you decide on that financial, you know, direction? You, you got your BBA in accounting and corporate financial management looks like, and did you um, decide on that based on, you know, working for the bank or was it that professor that kind of influenced you to decide which uh, major you'd go out and, and get a degree for? Yeah. So I took another course in investments in, in undergrad and they gave us a bunch of fake money and they said, whoever makes <laughs> the most money wins. And I, and I made the most money. So we, I won. And so I, I'm sitting there going, okay, I understand accounting and tax and I get banking and I get um, investments. So what can I do with this? And I just started studying. This was this was when uh, you know a lot of research was still in libraries. So I spent all this time studying career paths, and I never knew there was a career path called uh, financial planning. I mean, I lived in a trailer park, so you don't do financial planning in trailer parks, <laughs> right, right? And so financial planning—that's amazing. And so I just started to put it all together, and that's the career I wanted. Uh, if I felt right, felt like it was a, a skill set that I had. Yeah, awesome. And so uh, completed that degree. What was the first job you had out of college? So in uh, 1999, uh, December 10th, 1999 is when I graduated from college. December 11th, 1999 is when I started work. And I worked for a big Fortune 100 company. Um, they uh, they hired me. Uh, I went to work for them because I needed a mentor. I needed, I, I was, my sole purpose of finding a firm was not, I didn't really care about the firm. I was looking for who could I follow in their footsteps and learn from. And so I found this guy and I thought, man, he is, he's got the skill sets I'm looking for. He can communicate well. He, he knows how to tie a tie. I need to learn all these things. <laughs> I worked for him. He said, I'll, he said, I, I can't wait to have you had me on board. And then he left. <laughs> he, yeah, he actually, it was an unfortunate situation. It was a lesson that I learned. He, uh, I learned then that half truths are still lies. <laughs> Um, and so he had recruited me and I went to work for that firm, uh, with just with the pursuit of him and he left and he already knew he was leaving, but again, half truths are lies. And I learned that early and, uh, it's a, it's a lesson uh, for me. What were some of the other leadership lessons you learned in that first opportunity? Um, well, perseverance, I, uh, I, um, I knocked on every single door in the city of San Antonio 
trying to get somebody to buy some investment or insurance product. Did you literally knock on doors, Daryl, or what? Oh my gosh, I knocked on trailer park doors, buildings, uh, uh, high rises. Um, I went to the projects, just everywhere. I mean, it sounds crazy, but you know, I was not. I was either going to be. Here was my thinking: I was either going to be in front front of somebody or figuring out a way to get in front of somebody. And so what I did is I didn't think I was good, but I figured if I just work hard enough, I'll get lucky and then I'll figure it out along the way and ended up, ended up becoming rookie of the year and uh, eventually became partner of the year. And it wasn't because I had the skill set; It's just because I persevered. There's people much smarter than me and, and better than me, but, but I wasn't going to quit. Did you manage people in that position or at that company? After I sold sold products a couple a couple years, uh, they grabbed me and said, "Hey, we want you to be a, a manager." I, I recruited like I had a great team of people. I think it was twelve people. It was the most productive group of people. It was partner of the year, and I was um, leading them and learning about leadership. And this company had a formula for tr- training, leading leadership and development. Um, uh, uh, it was there's three steps. There's performance review and plan where it's one on one. There's field observation and demonstration, and then there's individual instruction and drill where we role played. I learned that methodology and that skill set. Still, I still apply it today. It was beautiful. What were some of the early management uh, lessons you learned once you started, uh, you know, running a team? Yeah. Um, so w- one thing I learned today is that um, if in some cases I had a, a greater passion for somebody's success than they did. And I would do whatever I could to uh, pull them up with me, meaning that I would, man, I would invest all my time, energy. And, and at the end of the day, it was futile because they didn't want it. And um, so I, I learned, you know, now I know when to cut my losses. If somebody isn't willing to uh, do what it takes early, then I'm not, I'm not going to invest my time in them like I did back then. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's a good lesson to learn. And then did you go from that company to founding your, uh, your, your own startup with PAX? Yeah, pretty much. There was a little bit of a transition there, but, but the idea was, is I was working for a big firm and, and they manufacture products and I didn't want to be a part of a, an organization that manufactured products. Um, I really wanted to have an independent organization. It just was, it was important to me. And so that's when I sought out to start PAX and me and two other guys, we um, left and we started PAX Financial Group. And because uh, we, we, the, the, the collective uh, look of our three last names together, like a law firm, didn't look that good. <laughs> so <laughs> right. uh, PAX is Latin for peace and we're big fans of Dave Ramsey and he has a financial peace university. So that's right. We, we did it off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So back to uh, your days in terms of, you know, working with bosses and not being your own, you know, what were some of the best or worst lessons you've learned? You know, I love the uh, a half truth still a lie. That's a good one. I hadn't heard that before. What, what are some of the other things that you picked up, positive and negative, that helped you move to uh, founding your own company? So, you know, I, you know, when I first started in this business, um, not knowing anything about this, the first thing I got, first test of Wall Street was Michael Milken. Um, and, and, and liars poker. And that, you know, that book was amazing. Um, but it had a false reality in there of, of, of how you act as if, and then boiler room came out and that was a big thing. Act as if, act as if, you know, drive the car. And and so my boss told me, he said, uh, early in career, he says, you're going to be really good when you get married and drive a Lexus. So, um, I, 
I bought into that. I thought, okay, that's, that's what you do. And, uh, so I got all the toys and, um, I was really broke and, and, and I found out that the mentors who gave me that advice were broke also. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no big surprise. Huh? You know, they filed bankruptcy. They, uh, two of them did two of my mentors who were living in the nicest house, nicest cars, check all the boxes of the American dream. Both of them filed bankruptcy. Both of them were giving me personal financial advice, advice that didn't make sense. And I knew it didn't make sense, but I was just, I was amiable. But so to this day, I just, I act, you know, as Dave Ramsey would say, I act my wage. You know, if I, if I can't afford it, I can't afford it. And I'm okay with that. And if you think less than me, that's okay too. Um, so I just act my wage and I'm very comfortable in my shoes that way. And uh, uh, would you say, and, and do you, how, you've, so you've got a couple of partners and do you have a team that you guys have built out? How many employees now at PAX? Yeah, so we have 20, uh, 20 people here and um, I've since, um, uh, it, it's through acquisition, some tr- financial transactions that I've brought on other partners. And so um, there's seven partners here. Some of them have, you know, small ownership percentages, but they're, uh, I couldn't do this thing without them. There's amazing people here. I told me the other day, I said, I go, uh, guys, I, I'm not, I'm not joking. I, I really think you guys can run this without me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not ready to leave yet, are you? <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm loving it. How would you say your leadership, uh, you know, the strategies and leadership style has evolved over time? Well, you know, they have, um, and I believe they need to evolve again. Uh, I told my team the other day, I said, what got us here, I don't believe will get us there in terms of my leadership skills. Um, but, you know, what got us here was, um, me identify, and this is again, I know sometimes it's just lucky, uh, the, the amazing people that came to work here that, um, were, um, that were willing to follow my uh, lead to cast a vision. Uh, I spent a lot of time casting vision and thinking about where things are going, right. And both industry trends and in our organization and, uh, spent a lot of time in vision casting and then articulating that to a certain degree, I'm the chief reminding officer. I'm reminding people of the vision all the time. This is where we're going. And so the people that work here um, bought that vision and, and, and they, they've seen it execute. And so I think that skill set that had been developed over time, uh, that was, you know, that, that's a skill set that I think is, is unique. Um, and I think that some people uh, may not have it like they like they would like, but it, it can be developed over time. You know, C12 has done an incredible job helping me develop the, the vision casting and, and the global leadership summit that they uh, facilitate. Uh, that helps with vision casting. Jim Collins books, you know, there's so many, there's a book called Double Double. And so that vision casting skill is one that has been developed over time. But I, I actually think that the skill sets for the next iteration of our organization have to be uh, even better than that. And so we're working on that right now. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on building a company culture. You know, how do you do that? What does that look like? And how important has that been to you? Well, it's very important. So, and, 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 and this is, I guess it's kind of a brag because we've been one of the best places to work in the city for multiple years and year after year after year, one of the best places to work. And it's about culture and uh, how do you develop the culture? Um, you have a standard in which you um, are authentically living out that standard. So as a business owner, uh, I, I've, and I think you've seen this over and over again, when you have a separate standard for who you are versus everyone else, um, that doesn't work over time. And, and people, you know, they, they become disenchanted with that disconnect, uh, which is certainly hypocritical. So having a standard that you adhere to for everything, 
uh, even the little things, even the little tiny things. If you expect somebody to pick up paper clips on the floor and, and you walk over one, then, then that's just pure, that's hypocritical. And, and frankly, that's jeopardizing your integrity and your leadership. So I think that's an important first step. What would you say is unusual or, or perhaps unique about PACs in your culture? Well, um, one thing is unique. We pray together. Uh, not a lot of companies do that. We spend some time praying. Uh, we pray for each other. That's a big part of it. And I, I mean, it's weird because I'll fire somebody right after I prayed for him. And I know it sounds weird, but <laughs> but I'm still running business here. And if and if you violate or if you're not meeting the expectations of excellence, then we do have to let you go. But the reality is, even after you're gone, I'm still as a leader. I've got a list of former employees that I still pray for. Um, cause I honestly care about them, but the organization is very important to maintain our standard of excellence. So I think that idea of praying is really a unique thing in our organization. And, and I, and I've kind of let go of that being, um, a threat, uh, to our organization. I just, I just got over it and said, this is what we do. Anything else that's, uh, unique or unusual? Um, you know, we, we, we certainly have fun together. Um, so we have what we call instead of, um, well, every year we uh, we we don't retreat. We don't have a, a PAX retreat. We have because we advance. So it's just a little play on words. Uh, but we we do we do advance every year, and and then I have an opportunity to share that vision, revise the vision, reflect on the prior year, and celebrate with others. And then we pass out little awards at that event, and we call those PAXies, and uh, they're silly, fun awards that everyone makes up. Uh, and it's in good color, good humor, but it allows us to all celebrate, have fun, uh, make fun of ourselves. And we have employees that have kept these Paxi awards every single year. So I've got one employee that's had his Paxis for seven years. They're actually real proud of them. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's important. It's, it's so good that you do that. You know, I know from the various recruiting we've done and people always talk to me about sales incentives and talk about, well, you know, what do we need to do to attract this person? I said, just give them the recognition. You know, a lot of owners, business owners and CEOs, they just don't understand how important that is. Um, and whether it's just a silly little gift or a pat on the back or a public recognition, it just means so much to people. Uh, yeah. And I'm not good at it. <laughs> I have to be very, I, I have to systematize it. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I hate to say that, but because I, I need to be better at it. Um, but I, you know, you run 90 miles an hour, but systematizing is very important, meaning that um, every, every week um, I have a checklist of things that I do. And one of them is, okay, who am I going to celebrate? Right. What do you look for? You know, you've got 20 employees, you're probably growing as well, and you've got some degree of turnover. You know, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in? Yeah, good question. So first of all, I don't really do the hiring anymore because, and I've probably gotten better, but a lot of times I look at somebody and go, man, you're so messed up, but I can fix you. Come on board. <laughs> right. And I am so bad at that. I've hired so many bad people because I just see the best in them and an opportunity to fix them. And then they are train wrecks. And oh my gosh, I've done that so many times. So I've actually... You've stepped um, away from it. I've stepped away. I've I, and I have people that protect me um, because they care about the organization, want to protect me, and 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 they do an incredible job. They, I gave them a process that I thought was excellent for screening of some questions to ask. Um, one of the questions might certainly be, um, what type of books are you reading? And and that that simple question helps me understand. First of all, are they a reader? And it gives me a pulse of what's important to them and if they're critically thinking and and, and exercising and, uh, the habits of improvement. Speaking of writing books, uh, you'd mentioned uh, prior to the podcast that you've got a new book coming out. And as we've read, you've got a number that you've written in the past. You know, it's not too common that you find, you know, people that are in your industry that are 
writing a lot of books. Tell us a little bit about your motivation for doing so. And, you know, tell us a little bit about the book that's coming out. So um, I'm, my motivation is because I'm a very poor golfer. So I don't play <laughs> golf. So I, I write. <laughs> and, and I do enjoy, here's the thing, when I write things down, it crystallizes my thoughts. It helps me um, understand something better. And, and I'm really like critically think about something. So I'll write, write blog posts and on LinkedIn and, and I've written for several articles and Forbes, but writing a book, man, you really got to make sure you know what you're talking about. And so that's, that process is really awesome. And this latest book is called 18 to 80. This one's going to be really cool because it's everything somebody should be doing with their money from age 18 to age 80. And every chapter is a chapter about money. So there's a chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 20. And so let's say somebody's 50 and they open the book and say, okay, I need to read something about 50. Then they're going to go for maybe 50, 49. Or, and then they're going to say, you know, what about my 30-year-old son? Or what about my 70-year-old mom? So it's going to allow them to have a frame of reference for people they love. I like that. And when's that coming out? That'll be out October 16th, 2018. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, I look forward to receiving that. Well, listen, Daryl, you've been very generous with your time, but we always like to ask one last question. And that's, uh, you know, for the middle market audience that are looking to, you know, achieve their own CEO success or perhaps found a company, you know, as you have, what, what career and life advice would you give to someone that's, you know, got their eyes on their own corner office? Absolutely easy. I, I would tell you this 10 times over, and, and but it's, it's easy to say, hard to do. And that is in the pursuit of excellence, everything that you do with mental toughness, extra effort, work hard, checking all the boxes, everything you do, do it without worry. Because decisions rooted in worry take you down to a place where it's inefficiency, cloudy brains, or maybe even emotional decisions. So do everything without worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I love what you're saying earlier about persistence. You know, that seems to be something that you have certainly exemplified in your career as well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sometimes just idiotic persistence, (laughs) but (laughs) I did it anyways. I was not going to fail. Well, Daryl Lyons, thank you so much for your time and sharing your career journey with us. Best of luck as you continue to grow PAX Financial. Thank you much for having me. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.